Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host Isaac, Associate Advisor at Providence. Join with me today is Mike Chang, who is our insurance specialist. For this episode, we will be talking about ILPs, investment linked policies. So this topic tend to be very controversial, and if you scour through internet forums or any discussion about it, you can always see that it's a very highly debated topic. So in this episode, we'll be unpacking what ILP is. What is this new type of ILP? And Provident has always taken a very strong stance against ILPs. But with this new ILPs, did our stance change? So to find out, let's jump right into this episode. Hi, Mike. Hey, hi, Isaac. Hi, how are you today? Yeah, feeling good. Okay, Mike, so this is your second time here. So uh, thank you for your time again. Yeah, pretty excited about today's topic. Yeah, how was the first episode? The first episode, I think, is quite okay because uh, it's quite a standard framework for providence. Yeah, but it's the upcoming one, which is today's topic, will be a little bit special. Right. So, uh, to our listeners, uh, who might not be aware, Mike did an episode on uh life stage planning. So, if you're interested, you can always uh, uh look for it. It's season two, episode fifteen. Today's topic is all about ILPs. So, Mike, let's begin with an introduction to ILPs, investment-linked policies. What are ILPs? Okay, so basically, uh, it is a policy that comprises of uh, insurance coverage and uh, there is investment component. It started off in the 90s to offer a better proposition than what whole life uh, insurance can provide. So, one of the key reasons is that ILP was created for the purpose of offering uh, transparency in fees and to enable the policyholder to actually gain control over the investment strategy. Hence, it is considered as an alternative to whole life policy. Can you explain more about the differences between an ILP and the whole life policy? Uh, sure. So the key difference between ILP and a whole life policy is how the product char- charges the actual insurance cost. For the whole life plan, the insurance charge has already been embedded into the premium amount that you are paying. So in this sense, the insurance costs are already pre-calculated from the start age to the end of policy term, which is uh, till age 100, into the premium payable. So using an example, for every $1 premium uh, that we pay to the insurance company, $0.20 cent will go into paying the insurance costs and the remaining $0.80 cents goes into investing the life fund which is the participating fund, where there is also fees involved in managing investments such as fund management fees, operation fees, etc. However, ILP work differently. There's a breakdown of different types of fees and costs that are chargeable on a monthly, quarterly or even annual basis. For the insurance costs, it does not embed into the premium amount. So it is payable on a yearly basis by deducting the cost either from the policy value or from the premium itself. Right, so for protection ILPs, or some may call it traditional ILPs, they have been a very controversial product since they started. What are certain issues that have been raised about these products? Mm, Okay, so ILP has evolved over the decades. The newer ILP is very different from the protection ILP. Some of these consumers may not be aware of the changes in the ILP product range and may assume that all ILP are protection ILPs. Nowadays, there are many different types of ILPs in the market, which I will share a little bit more in the short while. So the downside of having such protection ILP is that the insurance costs will increase over time as the age increases. And if the underlying investment is not performing as, as expected, there will be a risk of uh, lapsations. 
Okay, so using an example, for every one dollar you place in the ILP, the insurance cost, let's say, is ten cent, and this insurance cost will slowly increase over time based on our age, from ten cent to fifty cents to eighty cents, and eventually the insurance cost may surpass one dollar. So what will happen if the insurance cost is higher than the premium amount? It will start to deduct from the policy value, which will result in the policy value getting lesser. So in addition, ILP do not offer any guaranteed uh, cash value, which could maintain the coverage for a lifetime, unlike the whole life plan. The fund selection under this ILP series is also limited to in-house fund manager. Until the recent year where the insurers start to collaborate with the external fund houses, ILP is unlike the whole life plan where the insurer is responsible for the life fund that they are managing it. Hence, the burden of getting the investment return now resides with the uh, policyholder. I believe that there are many different kind of ILPs now. Uh, so could you just share very briefly what are these different types of ILPs? Well, there are typically a few types. The wealth accumulating type of ILP. We have the robo ILP. We have the retirement type of ILP. Annuity ILP. Uh, legacy ILP. So there are so many different type of ILPs in the market. I think for today, we just focus on the wealth ILP as this product is more popular for the men on the street. Right. Yeah. So there are so many different kinds, but I think the one that uh, they are often debated about online and in conversations for people is the wealth accumulation ILPs and the protection ILPs. Okay. So you mentioned that there was there is a shift from protection to more investment focused sort of ILPs in recent times. So why the shift? So in the recent decade, uh, insurance company has been shifting ILPs from protection to wealth accumulating type. The key reason is that the protection ILP has actually been losing uh, attractiveness over the year as consumers are more educated and prefer to use term for protection purpose. Another reason is that there is more demand for wealth management products as well. So the wealth ILP is supposed to be designed as an attractive and easy to sell product as no underwriting is required due to the nature of the product and it offers very minimal coverage. It is often described as the 101 ILP as the insurance coverage is only 1% of the policy value or the total premium paid. Why are some consumers so attracted to these new ILPs? What about it that you know makes it so attractive to them? Well, the wealth ILP is designed to appear to uh, consumer, such that there are many different reasons why uh, consumers are attracted to it. Some of these reasons could be the ability to gain access to a created investor fund or AI fund. So for the listener, there are three ways of obtaining this AI status. One way is to have a preceding annual income of more than SGD 300,000. Another way is to have more than 1 million SGD in financial asset or more than 2 million SGD worth of net personal assets. The next reason could be the consumer are attracted by the bonuses that ILP is offering. These bonuses are usually classified as the welcome and loyalty bonuses. The welcome bonuses is what the insurer will pay one time percentage of the uh, premium to the ILP account, while the loyalty bonus offer a percentage of the uh, policy value if the policyholder stay invested after a long duration. Another possible reason is that ILP is often marketed or sold as a product to solve certain financial needs for the consumer. For instance, in the scenario of purchasing an ILP for retirement purpose, and based on the illustration projection, the outcome is able to obtain the consumer desired amount. 
attractive. I mean, there's so many uh, reasons why it is attractive to investors. So I guess it's really worth diving deep into this new type of ILPs. So what are the notable features and benefits of this new ILP? The key feature of this wealth type ILP offers is the bonuses. As I mentioned earlier, the bonus structure is classified as welcome and loyalty bonus. Welcome bonus offer a one-time bonus usually given in the first year or it could spread over the first few years and such bonus can be up to 200% of annualized premium. The percentage of the bonus depends on the annual amount invested as well as the duration of the premium payment term. So could you give an example of that? Sure. So for example, uh, for every $1 you invest in the first year, the insurer will give up to $2 to the policyholder. Whereas the loyalty bonus could offer up to 2% yearly on the policy value or the underlying investment portfolio value. The loyalty bonus will usually kick in after the premium payment term. For example, if the premium payment term is 10 years, the annual loyalty bonus may start after 10 years. However, this also depends on how insurance companies structure their IRP. They could even make it uh, more attractive by offering to kickstart the loyalty bonus earlier or during the premium payment term. Well, Mike, it's, I mean, it sounds uh, too good to be true. I mean, usually there's no free lunch in this world, right? It is true that the insurer does give out the bonuses to the policyholder. However, there are criteria that the policyholder must fulfill. For example, the welcome bonus can only be withdrawn after a certain number of years. If the policyholder holds the policy for a longer period, they are also being rewarded through the loyalty bonus program. If there hasn't been any form of withdrawal in the past year. Thanks for sharing, Mike. Yeah, that's actually a very important point for all our listeners to take note of. Let's move on to the underlying investment options. Typically, what kind of funds is in the underlying investment options of ILPs? Well, Isaac, in the ILP space, uh, majority of the fund choices are still mainly active funds. To all our listeners, let me just give a quick definition of active funds. Active funds are run by professional portfolio managers and these managers aim to beat the stock market's average return by buying and selling stocks regularly to try to take advantage of short-term price fluctuations. So some of these funds are actually accredited investor funds where you can only gain access, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, uh, if your income is at a certain level or you have a certain level of uh, net assets. I believe because of this fact, consumers are attracted to ILPs because it gives them access to these AI funds. So what do you think of this, Mike? Well, when investing in AI fund in ILP, there are some considerations that we need to think through before committing. Okay, especially when we are investing in ILP for that one particular fund. Because if one day you don't like the fund manager anymore and you decide to switch fund, you may realize that you may not have that much range of choices. Or if the fund manager decided not to work with the insurance company anymore, they can pull out the fund from the ILP and vice versa. So this way you may find yourself being stuck in the ILP or you have to go with another fund manager, which you may not like as well. So it is not really advisable to go into the ILP just because you like the fund manager. So before I go on to the next question, uh, let me quickly explain to our listeners our investment philosophy uh, very briefly. So essentially, there are four pillars to our philosophy, uh, namely economic contribution, empirical evidence, implementation, and practical considerations. 
So for those who are interested, our head of investment, Cheng Chai Sen, was on season 2, episode 7 and 8 of our podcast, talking more in-depth about our investment philosophy. So Mike, based on our investment philosophy, is Provident changing our stance on ILP? I mean, historically in the past, we were never advocates of ILPs, but right now, will Provident propose ILP with the new wealth accumulation ILPs being available? Uh, no. Uh, we do not use ILP because it does not align with our investment philosophy. Right, so could you describe to the listeners why ILPs do not align with our investment philosophy? Sure. Using our investment philosophy, it is true that ILP does have the economic contribution attribute as they have underlying investment fund, which is investing mainly equities and bonds, which have an economic basis. Unless the AI fund invests heavily in futures or derivatives or even forex, which is more of a speculation rather than investing. However, using the second pillar of our investment philosophy, the underlying investment of ILP offers mainly active funds with little choice of index funds. So according to evidence, most active funds cannot beat the market and for those that do, they cannot beat it constantly. Although the cost of ILP has lowered, we still find that the cost is relatively higher than the index fund, ETF, and systematic low-cost funds. Hence, ILP does not really fit into the third pillar of our investment philosophy, which is the implementation. From our perspective, cost is a very important factor and we find that there are better options instead of using the ILPs. Lastly, we have to consider if an ILP is practical and that's our fourth pillar in our investment philosophy. One of the practical considerations will be the liquidity of the plan. For early surrendering of the ILPs, the insurer imposes a hefty penalties which often result in less than what we have invested in. Hence, it is not so liquid. Moreover, it is difficult to rebalance our entire investment portfolio. For example, if we have an NLP and another investment in another platform, it will come to a point where it is difficult to balance out the investment portfolio allocation. If we are investing in different investment platforms, it could be difficult but possible to balance our investment portfolio in different platform setting. For example, we could still sell off some unit from one platform and take the money to another platform to buy into the investment so as to have the right allocation. In general, ILP can't do that as it will be viewed as partial withdrawal which the policyholder could incur a penalty fee. So overall, ILP does not meet three out of four pillars of our investment philosophy. Therefore, we do not use ILP. Thanks, Mike, for your in-depth answer. So just now you mentioned that you know it's not it's not very liquid. ILPs are not very liquid. When you want to withdraw from it, there's uh, oftentimes penalty, especially when the policy just started. Since Provident advocates long-term investing, shouldn't the lock-in period or rather the lock-in feature of ILPs help an investor stay invested for the long run? Well, some of us may say that this feature is good because it helps us stay invested when the market is bad. But that is not the main reason for the lack of liquidity. The reason for the lack of liquidity is that insurers had incurred a lot of expenses like the distribution costs and other costs that are being paid up front. So if we want to exit the ILP early, we are penalized for it. So it is not designed in a way to help you stay invested. We find that there is a better way and that is through intentional risk coaching and so we don't use ILP for that purpose. 
Okay, Mike, so moving on to the last question, and maybe I'm asking on behalf of some of our listeners who have an existing ILP, whether it's a protection ILP or wealth ILP, should I surrender my ILP? This is something that you have to think through very carefully, and it is very important decision to make, especially if you're holding on to a protection ILP. The reason is that if you have any pre-existing condition and you surrender the policy, you may not be able to buy another protection policy without exclusion or worst case, being rejected. And if you have bought a wealth ILP today, you may need to be concerned of what will be the penalty you will suffer if you surrender early. Sometimes you may not have to surrender the ILP if the plan is on track with your financial plans or needs. Therefore, before making all these decisions, whether to surrender or keep the ILPs, it will be better if you consult or speak with your trusted advisor. Thanks, Mike, for taking on that last question. It's always a question that is not very easy to answer. And that's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Uh, thanks, Isaac, for having me. To all our listeners, I hope you enjoyed our episode on investment-linked policies, ILPs. If you like this episode, follow our podcast and follow us on social media for similar contents. As always, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any of use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.